Welcome again to another podcast of Break Out the Truth. I'm Corey Mitchell. Demetrius Kilpatrick. Ah, we're glad you're back with us. Uh, what's this, episode number five? Wow. We're rolling right along. Well, we've got a treat for you uh, this evening and on this podcast, and we're going to talk about the Bible. But we always talk about the Bible. We're always talking about the translations of the Bible. What version of the Bible is out there, which there's a lot of them, but we want to help you to navigate which one's right for you. Uh, we will tell you some maybe to avoid, uh, some situational stuff. We'll talk about our preferences. We're not here to knock anything, uh, but it is our job um, to, to tell you what's best out there, and it is a big deal uh, how you read the scriptures. And so tonight we will be talking about that. And uh, we've got a stack here. I, I think that this is in the screen, but if not, uh, we kind of went around just to see what we could get our hands on. And uh, this is one of my Bibles from probably one of the first ones I ever got when I was a kid with my name on it. Uh, that is probably King James, uh, but that is a little small New Testament uh, that I've had for a long time. The New Living Translation, the one-year Bible, I have uh, done this and read all the way through that. Uh, good Bible for this, for this purpose right here in reading uh, the entire Bible in a year. Uh, the New Living Translation, um, not necessarily something I would preach out of, um, and I don't study out of this Bible, but this is a wonderful Bible and a wonderful read uh, for something like that. Uh, this is the New King James Version Bible. Uh, this looks like a paperback that probably um, was bought in bulk uh, for, for churches, uh, but that is the New King James Version that we have. Here is the Holman, a Holman Bible. Uh, I actually do not own one of these. Uh, this was just, uh, I guess I do, it was in my office. Uh, but that one belonged to someone else. But that is a Holman Bible. And then here is uh, one of my Bibles, one of my study Bibles. New International Version, the NIV. We'll be talking a lot about that one. Um, but that is uh, another one of my Bibles that I study out of. And then uh, the big... The big, one, the big one, the big one, that's a King James uh, Bible. This is a decorative Bible, a uh, table Bible, as you'd say it. And then what did you bring? I got an ESV Bible, English. Yeah, the English Standard Easy. Version. We'll talk about the ESV, which is the Bible I preach out of and do most of my uh, sermon prep out of, the ESV. I, I study the ESV. It's easy to understand. Not bad to study on. Like I said, you preach out of it. Yes. Not hard to understand. Very and it is a newer Bible. That a is newer a, newer, Bible. a newer translation of the Bible. Easy to read, easy to understand. Yes. Right. I prefer. That's just. I prefer the ESV. That's just me. Yes. I prefer. It's easy to read for me. I understand a lot more better. That's just what I use. Yes. I study. I study out of it. Not just read it. So yeah. It, it's. Uh, I, I'll. I sat under a pastor who, who was the first one to use it and uh, just just liked it. Ended up buying my wife one to so she could read along word for word with him because I still had my NIV. And eventually, uh, as I, I became a pastor and a preacher, uh, I, I at first was preaching uh, solely out of the NIV. But uh, upon my ordination, received an ESV Bible uh, by request. And really enjoy uh, the way it reads. It's easy to read. 
uh, but as we're going to talk about today, it is one of the Bibles that was translated word for word, and so we'll we'll talk about that a little bit. Uh, Timeline-wise, kind of just, uh, if you want to take that one, uh, we're just going to give a real quick history, not really go into this, and I'm not going to go into every date, but uh, it's always good to know the history. It's about 1400 B.C. is when Moses wrote Genesis. Um, so you have a little bit later in history on, on this sheet here, but that's about when the first of the written word, uh, Job, at least the account of Job is older, uh, but that was around before Moses wrote, uh, but, but the first five books written by Moses is about 1400 BC. So the Bible's been around a long time, uh, by 500 BC, it says all Hebrew manuscripts which make up the 39 books of the Old Testament, had been completed by 500 B.C. Uh, and then uh, a very important time in the Bible's history, 200 B.C., is when the Septuagint, which is when uh, the Egyptians uh, more or less coerced or forced the uh, Israelite, the Hebrew people, to copy the Old Testament into Greek which would have, was the common language. I believe this is so important. I believe, uh, obviously, that God made that happen. This was during the 400 years uh, between Malachi and, and Jesus being born. But great things were happening in the world. So once Jesus got here, the Old Testament was already in the common language of, of the man. And uh, that happened around 200 B.C. Now, when you get to the first century A.D., uh, all the Greek manuscripts of the uh, New Testament were written, and by the second century, uh, they were already being used in church. They were already being called scripture. Uh, they are the one of the most referenced of all time. Uh, there's really uh, the, the naysayers that the New Testament wasn't uh, around until way later. They just don't have a leg to stand on here. It was uh, there's 24 plus thousand references to those manuscripts before uh, the second century. Uh, now, if we, uh, I'm going to just skip down a little bit to more what we're used to seeing. The uh, uh, 500 AD uh, scriptures are in 500 languages by that point. Bible's always been important, always been important to the world. 500 languages, and then uh, 995, you started having uh, the uh, early, the earliest form of English, um, the Anglo-Saxons were translating the New Testament. This is all right at 1000 AD, uh, so about 1,000 years ago. Now, I'm, we get to the 1500s. Um, you, you've got the printing press is involved. Uh, you're, you're coming up on um, the Reformation. You're coming up on uh, a lot of things that happened with the Bible during that time. Um, it's in Latin. From, from Greek and all this. And so what happens is in 1522, um, you have it in German. 1526, William Tyndale is a huge name for the Bible. He prints the first one in English, and he gets burned at the stake for it. Okay? His last words are, God, open the eyes of the king, something of that nature, uh, because he's being burned at the stake, but it doesn't change the fact that he wants the Bible in its fullness to be in English, and uh, we know, uh, as we skip ahead, and I think you've probably got it, about 1610 is 1611. 1611. What happens? The New King James was printed. 
originally with all eighty all eighty books. Yes, the apocrypha apocrypha was, was part of was it. Was officially removed in eighteen eighty five, leaving only sixty six books, which is what we That's have what we in have. our Bibles. Right. Um. Was it Lord King James? Lost me there. Lost me. Um. Then there's the Robert seventeen eighty two A D, which seventeen hundred. You got Robert Atkins Bible. The first English language Bible, King James, right in America. Then you have, and we're in the seventeen hundreds now, seventeen eighty-two. So, so here's something: when you're looking at how the language, so there's versions of English, right? So Old English, and then there was Middle English, and then there was uh, almost so in the early sixteen hundreds. You're in a version of English. We don't use this anymore. It's not as heavy as Old English, which those 1500, if you read any of the Bibles from the 1500s, it's tough to read, right? They spell everything differently. You can read it, but it's a, it's a completely different language, although it's English. The, the King James is, is the modern version of that, mm. which to us, we don't talk like that anymore. Now, about 1800 is where we get our modern English that you and I speak to each other and we, we talk about. And we're, that plays a big role in what version of the Bible, what translation of the Bible. King James is from the 1600s. The language that Shakespeare and all them spoke in the 1600s is not what we speak in the 21st century. Uh, that's, that's, that language started going away 500 years ago. So... Uh, this is where, why we didn't, neither one of us said, we're all in on King James, right? right? We, you don't study out of King James or read the King James. I don't, I have one. I do read it. Um, I do like the King James. There's no knock against the King James. It's just that I do not speak like that to you. Uh, I have not met anybody that speaks older English. And so, um, I prefer to use a language that I speak, uh, and, and that's that's a big deal for my choice uh, on the Bible. But I'll let you continue. I just wanted to to talk about that that the, the English language has been changing mm -hmm. uh, at least three times since that was written. I'm going to skip down to 1833 A.D. Okay, Noah Webster's Bible, after producing his famous dictionary, right? Webster's, Webster's dictionary, Webster's yeah, dictionary. Uh, okay, P printed his own version of the King James, right. Then you got, in 1841, English, uh, let's see, what do you got yeah, here? Yeah, that, I can't remember. The, the Hexapla. The, the, the Hexapla. Yeah, uh, what a name. And the early textual comparison showing the Greek and the six famous English translations in parallel. Okay, so that was Bibles. one of those Bibles, when you open it up, it, it gives you multiple Bibles, uh, in so you can compare them side by side by side. Uh, they didn't have computers back then. We could do that easily right. now. Uh, but that would have been a pretty neat Bible to have. Right. Uh, all the different says, versions. And it says, showing the Greek. So I'm, I'm guessing yeah, in the so, New Testament, which is the New Testament written in Greek. Right. I guess it would be on the side, you would have the Greek. You'd have two, you'd have columns. And you'd be reading it here. And then the Greek, you can go read back right beside the Greek. Right. Uh, there's also, uh, even now, you can buy uh, Greek Bibles, Hebrew Bibles, Greek Hebrew Bibles, where you can read all of it. And, and show it side by side um, it, it, that make to make sure that you understand right. what's being said. 
And then, in 1846 A.D., they illuminated the Bible, the most the most lavishly illustrated, well, sorry, illustrated Bible printed in America, a King James version with all 80 books. So I'm guessing. Okay, so the apocrypha goes back apocrypha, into that one, right? Then, in 1885 A.D., the English revised version Bible, the first major. English reversion of the King James. So I'm guessing... Okay, so by 1885, they're already kind of figuring out they need a... Mm -hmm. a that's what I say. At, right at the turn of the century of the 1900s, people are realizing that we speak a different language than the 1600s. And so there's a revise. They're, they're revising. Anytime you revise something, you're not trying to change what it says. Mm -hmm. You're trying to put it in a, in a language more common to the people. So I'm guessing when they did that, they make it better to understand, to read. For what they, how what they, they talked in 1885, right. Then you got, which I, I like it, the, in 1901, you got the American Standard Version. American Standard, yes. actually a great Bible to read and study. The first major American reversion, revision of the King James Version. Then you have, in 1971, the New American Standard in ASB is right. published as so a we're talking about very like like I was just born a few years after right. this so these are newer versions of the Bible um, which is why people don't they don't like them or they they don't they we're King James only and those newer Bibles uh, they messed everything up uh, but but not so and that's why we're having this discussion uh, here today then you have in 1973 the NIV, New Inter There's the International, the NIV, 1973, NIV. the first version of that. It's published in moderate and accurate phrase of the phrase English translation of the Bible. Then you got 1982, which is the New King James. Right. Which is a great translation. That's a great translation, yes. Modern English version maintaining the original style of the King James. Yes. Then, what I read in 2002, the English Standard Version. Is published and as is a translation to bridge the gap between the accuracy of the NA, N, NASB right. and a re, uh, readability of the NIV. Right. So there was purposes behind each one of these um, revisions, and most of them were about language. Then what happens though? You don't want to mess up with your accuracy, and and this is. Uh, what we see, if you are, uh, and, and, you know, Google it. Google uh, Bible uh, versions, Bible translations, uh, comparisons. Uh, listen, I've, I've, I've been doing this in preparation for this podcast, but I've also done this other times in life. Even when I was deciding what Bible I would preach out of, learn out of, <laughs> which one was easiest to understand. Because I, I remember this, you know, just as a side note, when I first started preaching, and I'm preaching out of the NIV, I went to churches that were King James only. Now, I didn't know, and I didn't ask, and, and I would preach, and you're standing in the, at the back, and, and people are leaving, and they whisper, what, what Bible are you reading out of? Because that's the first time I've ever understood what was being said. Now, these people were all over 60 years old, usually. So 60 years of their life, they've been sitting in church going, no clue. I don't know what's being said. And so now you have a preacher preaching out of a plain, a, a, a plainer explanation Bible, NIV. And they go, I'm finally hearing the word of God. 
and like we were talking about just before we started, there are people that believe you can't hear the word of God unless it comes from the King James Version, right? Well, and, and there are people that believe that Jesus spoke in Old English. Like that's, like he and the disciples sat around and, and, and used, um, you know, uh, thou and thee and, and uh, here for. And, and, yeah. and, and, and A, they spoke completely different. They, the, the, the languages that they spoke aren't even the languages now of their people. Jesus spoke Aramaic. Aramaic, and then you would they would have spoken Koine Greek mm -hmm. because that's the common language among the people. Uh, most of those guys would have at least spoke three languages. A, you're you're Jewish, so you speak your native tongue, and then you're ruled by the Romans and had been ruled by the Romans for a long time, uh, or, or the Greeks. You have to speak their language too. They're not they're not coming to this little Israel, and the Romans are going to speak your language, right? That's not how that works. So, and then there would be, there was always a common language. And then if you're trading in the biggest empire the world has ever seen, you got to know other people's languages too, right? So, um, but, but zero of those languages were old English. So the idea that the King James is the official tongue of, of Jesus or the disciples or of that time period, it's not. It's the official tongue of Shakespeare and those people around that time. And when they got their hands on that Bible at an 8th grade, 7th, 8th grade level, that read plain Jane to them because that's how they spoke. And so for us now, uh, I will tell you, it is okay. I want anyone to listen to this. It is okay to find a Bible that you could read. I'm always telling people, go grab you an NIV and start reading it. And if you've struggled with the King James, even the New King James, uh, both of those are great Bibles. They are translated from the original texts. But grab you a Bible that reads like your mama talks to you. And all of a sudden, you can see things a lot different. There's there's a spectrum of Bibles. And, then, and I wanted to talk about this. So when, you, when you're talking about translations of Bibles, it is... Word-for-word -word translation, this is where the NASB, the New American Standard, the King James, the New King James, the ESV, these Bibles fall in word-for-word -word translation from the Greek and from the Hebrew. They focus on that. They want to be word-for-word. -word. Now, that's why it reads a little funny sometimes because word-for-word -word with Old Greek doesn't line up with the way we talk all the time. Now, the next one is thought-for-thought. Meaning, we're not going to, if we have to change the wording of a phrase, we just don't want to lose the meaning. Uh, this is where the NIV, uh, the versions of the NIV, uh, and there's a few more, but the NIV is the most popular. The NIV was made so you could read it in plain English, but it still had everything that was conveyed in word for word, making it the most balanced Bible for accuracy and for uh, readability. And that's what they were going for. Then you get over all the way. If you keep going down the scale, you reach Bibles that are called paraphrase Bibles. Um, the message is one of those. Even the New Living Translation, that one-year Bible, it scoots a little bit over. It's, it's not paraphrasing, but there are scriptures in there 
that read a lot different than, than what you would get word for word. But you get into these books, these Bibles that are story. There, one person wrote them. There's not a there's not a group of people to vote on it. It's not. It's not only is it not word for word. It's not word for word, and it's not even thought for thought. It is. If you wanted to know about Jesus and then a bunch of other stuff that's made up, you can read those books. Never use one of the books that fall under paraphrasing as a study Bible. Do not uh, use it. Um, I'm sure there are preachers out there preaching out of it because they don't want to study the real Bible, and they're just talking out of it. Um, you can go online and do comparisons. Uh, hand me this one right here, Demetrius, real quick. Uh, just just to show you one, and I don't know. Um, uh, so there's very little versions. Um, this is called the English Bible Translations Comparison Chart. I got this right off the internet. And it has the Tyndale New Testament, the King James, the NASB, the NIV, New King James, the New Revised Standard, the New Living Translation, the ESV, and the uh, CSB right here, if you just want to see. I just printed this off. It's it's 2 Corinthians 5, 16 through 18, and you can read each one of those and see which one of them is uh, not, doesn't read like the Bible, right? Um, so just, just, we'll just go with King James. So listen to Actually, I'm going to go farther back. 1525, this is how the Bible was read. Wherefore, henceforth know we no man after the flesh. Insomuch, though we have no Christ after the flesh, now henceforth know we him so no more. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Nevertheless, all things are of God, which hath reconciled him unto himself by Jesus Christ and hath given unto us the office to preach the atonement. Did you first, understand what I said? The first one, no. Okay. So this is the Tyndale New Testament from 1525. I will tell you, the King James, uh, a little less than 100 years later, reads the same. The spelling's better because I'll tell you the Tyndale New Testament, just look at how some of those words are spelled. Things, T-H-Y-N-G-E-S. Okay, if, Y-F. See, we have to move forward with the, the translations of the Bible. The King James brought that into something. It reads exactly the same, uh, but now let's go to a newer one, 1996 New Living. So we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. At one time, we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view. How differently we know him now. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. And all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us the task of reconciling people to him. Listen, there's, it's, it's night and day, right? We don't have to hold on to reading things where we don't understand it preaching where people don't understand it. We can move forward. Now, that was the New Living Translation. I'm, like I said, I would not preach out of that. Uh, but the ESV, where I preach from. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. 
The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. This is why I like the ESV. That's a word for word. That's the same thing that Tyndale said. That's the same thing that King James said. Uh, in any of these others, we would read up to the New Living Translation. And so that's where uh, the differences in these translations are. Um, if you are, what I would say, if you're concerned about whether or not it's word for word with the Greeks, then stick with King James, New King James. I would go with the New King James. It reads a lot easier. It's better. It's better. It, it reads a lot better, right, for us. And you can still say you're using the King James and feel good about yourself if you need that. Or, so those are the ones I'd go with if I'm trying to stay like that. Go with the NASB Bible. Mm -hmm. If you are not going to put in the time to read, reread, focus like a pastor does or a studier of the word, then grab yourself an NIV. Not that pastors don't do that with the NIV. I love the NIV. In fact, I teach on Sunday nights out of the NIV. The NIV is going to give you, if you are a pastor, if you are a teacher, if you are uh, uh, just a, a wanting to get into the Word of God and understand it, the NIV is probably the place for you. You don't have to worry about whether or not it matches up with the Greek. It does. You don't have to worry if it misses the message because it does. In fact, it's the one that was made just for that. So the New International Version um, is is probably the place that most people should settle in if you're having trouble reading the Bible, um, if you're struggling through it. Uh, that that's where I would go uh, if you're, you know. There's just some people that's not going to let go of the right. King James. That's fine. Best of luck to you is about all I can say. Now, I will tell you a translation too. You're not not bashing any anybody then the new the new the new world translation yes there's a i don't know if that, i have uh, a whole list not bashing jehovah like i said we're not we're not bashing not trying to bash anybody but i think yeah i don't have a list of all of them but the new world translation which the jehovah witnesses use going that first let me just see if i can uh pull that up real quick so we make sure we're yeah. like a type. Which the Jehovah's Witnesses use. And yes, the new uh, the new world or the world translation. The new, yes. I guess that's what it's called. The New World the Translation. New world translation. And and, and explain has, why. The main reason there's one verse in particular. See like John one one, everybody knows that. And the in the, when they say the word, they use, and the word was God. And the word was with God. The word was with God. The word was God. They use a God. A God. Yes. And it's a lowercase g yes. instead of a uppercase. And, and, and because this is a big deal because the word is referring to Jesus Christ. John is, show, is telling us about the Christ, right? So the word is made flesh. Yeah, the word is here. The word is was with God. The word is God, right? Not a God. Like, Jesus is not a lowercase g God. He is God. That's a big deal. Now, like I said, we're not bashing. We're not bashing. 
But if, if you have a Bible that lessens Christ at all, then that Bible, it, in my, it's not even an opinion. It's not good. It's not good. It's not good. Um, there are Bibles that are manipulated. Um, you need to research your Bible. You need to research the Bible that your pastor uses. You need to know what he preaches out of, why he preaches out of it. Um, have those conversations. I know some denominations, you don't get to have a conversation with your pastor about anything they do. And, and I'm sorry, but I always tell my congregation, uh, actually, they don't have to worry about it because the scriptures are there. You, you're reading along with me. They're right out of the Bible. There is no other. I don't pull from any other uh, sources like that. It's the Bible. It's the ESV. Um, it could be the NIV. It could be the NKJV. It, it doesn't matter. It's, it should come from the scriptures. You have to trust uh, that the scriptures are uh, true. They are undoctored. Um, uh, there was another thing that I was wanting, uh, because it's such a big deal to me. And, and so John 3.16, and uh, just to prove that I'm fair. As far as the list I found, I really only found one major translation of the Bible in English that does not say, for God so loved the world. It says, in this manner, God showed his love for the world. Now, in the Greek, the Greek, that's how it says it. In this manner, or for in this manner, God loved the world. There, there's a whole doctrine that people have. When you say, for God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, why, did, why does that tell me he gave his son? What was the reason that he gave this the son, if I'm saying, for God so loved the world? For save us from our sins. Well, but, but the reason is because he has this overwhelming love for man that he was will, willing to trade Jesus' life because of this overwhelming love, which puts us as the stars of the show. For God so loved the world. Mm. Now, if I say it in this way, here's the manner that God showed his love for man, that he gave his only son. Now we're talking about the action. Right. The star is God and an action and the son, not how irresistible man is. So when we say that, we come up with terms, uh, universalism. Everybody's getting to go to heaven because John 3.16 says, for God so loved the world. Now, God does so love man, but it's the action in what manner did God show his love to us. He doesn't love a sinful world. He doesn't love man existing in sin. So to say, oh, God just looked at us and just he just could not do anything because of that, it's more of God did love us, but he has no place for us in our sin. And so in this manner, he shows this love. Jesus said, uh, there is no greater love than to lay down your life. So Jesus says, there's going to be an act that shows my love. I do not have to cure the world of all illnesses in 2024 to show my love, because in this manner, the greatest love has already been shown to you. It's an ongoing gift from God. And I think if the, it's the most famous verse in the Bible, verse in the Bible and it's not translated. It's translated to where you can say, 
wow, I'm so, so great. Humans are so great that, that you know, God so loved us that he would never send us to hell. This is why so many people have a which, problem. Which God loves us. There's no, there's doubt. no doubt. God doesn't love this world. Okay, I mean, I mean, to a, to a extent, the world's wicked. He has shown love through grace, through grace, mercy, and so when you say in this manner, mm -hmm. he showed this love. Not, it, it 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 doesn't need to read because of this irresistible man, mm -hmm. and and God had this so love, even though that's true. It gives God more glory to go, how does God show a sinful world love? Instead of saying that his eyes are just twinkling because sinful man is so beautiful, it's, here's how he does it. He gives his own son. So even, even if you read that in Spanish, it says, for in this manner, God loved the world. Uh, the Greek in this manner, God showed his love for the world. And the world meaning mankind mm -hmm. and not, not the actual earth. So when you see that in translations, it is a big deal to know, especially if you're a teacher, preacher, if you're going to share something, don't get me wrong, quote John 3.16 all day. That is the gospel message. But if you really want to exalt God, know God showed us the greatest form of love in Jesus Christ. You can eliminate how great you are. Right. And you can say, God made a choice before man even existed that this was going to happen. So, John 3.16, in our translations, puts a lot of emphasis on us being so loved instead of God having a plan. and carrying. The gospel was always a plan. And Christ had to fulfill it. Uh, uh, Jesus had to come down. Mm -hmm. Jesus had to do it. No man could live up to it. Uh, so what an act of love for God himself to come down, take the cross for us, learn obedience, be put to shame, um, hurt. You know, I'm sure he mm -hmm. got sick. I'm sure, like Jesus, he lived a man's mm -hmm. life for 33 he years. Wept. Mm -hmm. he, he wept. That is in this manner. Look what he did for us. Um, and uh, then you can say, well, for God so loved the world, because in this manner, it it's he literally giving himself. That's the greatest. Jesus says, that's the greatest love you can have, laying down your life for somebody else. Did you know that he could have wiped us? He had, how many, 12 angels? Oh, Waiting. well, he had all the angels. All he, yes. Um, and he could have just... And I bet the angels looking down on what they were doing to the king of kings, you know they were ready. Right? Right. In fact, Jesus says, my kingdom is not of this world because if it was, right, they would fight for me. But it's not. But Jesus knows that the kingdom that he has, the spiritual world, could have undone creation at just, just his simple command. Uh, and he took all of that for us. So in this manner is how he loved us. And there's no question about it that that manner 
that giving of grace and mercy through uh, God himself coming down out of heaven, becoming one of his creation, giving it all, learning obedience through suffering and doing all that. And then, uh, I mean, he represented us the whole way. He undid everything that Adam and Eve and me that we that we did. He undid all of that as a human being and now represents us in heaven. I love thee for in this manner. God shall, and then, of course, never never not learn the rest of the, the verse after that, John uh, 3.17, when it says, for he didn't come to condemn the world. And you, could, you can understand it means this, this time, right? Because he had the authority to condemn all men. When he came and was born as a baby, it did not relieve him of the fact that he could have exacted judgment on a sinful world at any point in time. But he says, this time I'm coming for salvation. I'm going to do this. That next time is judgment, right? And he has full authority to do so. He is the sovereign Lord. And and uh, this was uh, something we talked about last year was you would never tell a sovereign king he cannot defend his throne or defend his rules. We all know that, right? If someone's against America, we expect our government to do something about it. No problem. Wiping people out, bombing them, getting rid of all. I mean, you want to go over there and eliminate them. No one has a problem with that. But then when you hear that God, who is sovereign over all his creation, cannot do that, man, you couldn't be farther from the truth. Jesus Christ could have come and eliminated all of us, and he would have been justified in doing so. We are in complete rebellion against him, uh, in, in, so he has the right, but he said, not this time. I come, I come for salvation of man, not coming to condemn the world, but through me, the world can be saved. Those are big statements. So if you put John 3.16 and John 3.17 together, you get the whole gospel. Um, and like I said, nothing wrong with for God so loved the world, but it does give people an idea that it's mankind that's the shining beacon in that verse and not Christ mm-hmm. and not and not the Father sending the Son for not condemnation. And it's so beautiful. It's so beautiful. And I love the translation. I love the first time I noticed that is I read it in Spanish and went, wow, that's really interesting how that's written. But that's not how I've learned it my whole life. Why is the Spanish version different than that? And and then I go, but I love that verse. And then you start looking, and it's a better translation. Right. So, it- we can't do things on our own, but we can do things in Christ. Right. Which is strengthens what, us. Yes. But we're saying we're not trying to bash nobody. We're just trying to tell you what Bible is great to use. And that it's Bible important. We want important. you to know you should research the translation of Bible and always type in. And listen, this goes for whoever you listen to on podcast, whoever you, uh, whatever mega preachers you follow on YouTube or listen to their sermons, you should always Google what other people say about them because what you'll find out is probably a lot of things you don't want to find out, like they're not scriptural or uh, their doctrines are wrong. or uh, And then you, the Bibles that they use will tell what they're 
if, if it's off a little bit. And, uh, but, but get in the Word. That's what we're here for. This is what this podcast is about. We want you to know the Bible's true. Uh, these translations are, um, just to be honest, because this is the truth, at least 98.5% accurate to the original writings. Mm -hmm. I say that because it's, it's known that there are some extra things in some of the translations. There's extra verses. There are verses that have been changed from the original. Because now we're finding the original Bible, right. Dead Sea Scrolls, mm -hmm. and you can start seeing some things that aren't there. Now, what that means is, well, I thought the Bible was supposed to be inerrant. Listen, the original Word of God would have been inerrant, no problem. Man has manipulated it. Look it up. Don't just say, well, then the whole Bible's. Okay, the Bible's 66 books. We've mentioned 80. Right. Some have been taken out. Some are, I was going to say crazy to read, but more well, fun and interesting, like we're in Ezekiel. Mm -hmm. They almost didn't want Ezekiel to be part of the Bible because of it's, it's different, but it's really not. If you get in there and study it, hey, it reads just like the rest of it. It reads about God, and uh, this is... Get into the Bible without fear. I think we both agree. The podcast, don't be afraid from our first episodes to last week about our, our last episode with the Holy Spirit guiding you. Do not be afraid. Don't listen to the world. Look it up. Um, I hope we've given you some good starting points to know there's a spectrum of Bibles. And find the one that works for you, but don't just grab one and go, oh, I like the way this reads without looking it up studying it, um, and listen, who knows, you may find a completely different truth about, you know, if you're going to a church that has false doctrines, there's plenty of them out there, especially the newer the newer versions of churches, you may rescue yourself right. from a incomplete gospel, a false gospel, a false Jesus, uh, you may rescue generations of your family by being true to finding the word of God and reading it yourself. Because most churches do preach, and I say in all churches, different Jesuses. They'll yes. preach, I might even go into that, but they'll, they'll preach false, they'll preach what Jesus did. Or what or he did, would do. What he would do. Right. It's read the Bible, study the Bible. Yeah. Or look even, up. Yeah. I'll. I'll Honestly, if if your preacher doesn't talk to you or you ask your preacher about the Bible and he doesn't talk to you, that's a sign. No doubt. No doubt. That, that's a sign. Yeah. You should always look up the truth. Always. Always. Because preacher could be lying to you. Your soul's on the line. Your soul's on the line. Preacher could be lying to you. Or he, I mean... He, it's, it's absolutely why we're here. Right. While we're sitting here, uh, we're an open book with what we believe, how we believe it. We, we're able to talk through things. And we have surrounded ourselves at our church with a lot of people like that. Questions should be accepted. Your pastor should be an open book. In fact, he should love to talk about the scriptures. And he should be well studied. He shouldn't be a one-trick pony that can only preach three books of the New Testament, and that's all he's got. He should be a student of the word. He should he should know things that help you to build your faith. 
he should be able to to give you the truth. Uh, that's that's his position. Uh, it doesn't matter how much he gets paid. It doesn't matter how long he's been doing it. If he's a called man of God, it should be important that his flock have the food that Jesus prepared for them. He doesn't add to it. He doesn't um, subtract from it, right? The Bible says that. You give the word of God is Jesus Christ, the word made flesh. And he's not a God. He is God. He's God. And the word is for believers. That is the food of the sheep. And as a pastor, as an under-shepherd to Christ, I go to his barn, get his food, and feed his sheep. Because that's how it goes. And it's not up to me otherwise. And so it is important uh, for anyone listening to this, find you a Bible that, uh, that is uh, aligns with the original texts uh, to the best of its ability. Understand what we're saying. There's word for word. There's thought for thought. There's in-betweens of that. Once you get past that, you're going to get into dangerous grounds. They may read like a storybook, but it may not give you uh, the the the... Uh, the food that you're looking for. And they do have Bibles that have, if you're interested in the, knowing, the, knowing the Hebrew, knowing the Greek, they do have Bibles that have the Hebrew, right. which is in the Old Testament, in the Greek that's in the New Testament. And it's actually, and they have online. You can look up, yes. Bible, I think Bible Hub has. We're more equipped right. to get it right than anyone that's ever lived on the earth. Take advantage of it. Don't just trust don't just trust anything. It is important to know uh, what the Bible says. It's, I mean, we re we read the timelines. Mm -hmm. This is this is an ancient book that the it's not changed. It's God's plan to save mankind from from his sin and from his departure from God that happened in the Garden of Eden. All of that's been overcome by Jesus Christ, and He's the way. And you need the foundational truth which is the Bible, and it's very important. So I hope we've helped you tonight. We're going to have to shut this one off. We talk all night about the Bible, right? But glad that you've been here with us for episode five, and we will catch you on the next episode. We'll see you.